Good morning. Welcome to those joining us online and in the fellowship hall this morning. Today we continue our sermon series on seeing grace in every corner. And our mission at Community of Grace is the one that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, to be and to make disciples of Jesus. And our vision, where we start and how we hope to grow in living into that mission, is through seeing Jesus' grace in every corner of our community. And through this series, we've been looking at our mission through the lens of our four H's of service, Haiti, home, hood, and here. And today's H is hood, representing how we live as Jesus' people in our own neighborhood. Now, over the years, it seemed the importance of neighborhoods has seemed to change. People have been growing less connected to their physical neighbors, doing more connecting online and across long distances, connecting based on shared interests rather than shared geography. Just think about how many different kinds of communities that you've been part of. Your hockey team, mops, your card club, your work friends, the people you volunteer with, your family, your church family, your friends from high school or college, your fishing buddies. And as much as each of these connections are good, managing those different types of relationships and the expectations that come with them when those communities don't overlap can become stressful. There's a unique stress that's created when those in your shared geography aren't those who you consider your community. And believe it or not, in the history of the world, this is a fairly new reality. In the little house on the prairie days, the people who shared your geography were the only people who could be your community. Whether you shared interests or viewpoints or not, you had to learn how to work together and be neighbors to each other because your mutual survival depended on it. What had to come first was the commitment to be neighbors to one another so you could survive as a community. And only after that did personal relationships grow, or not. Right? There were still Nellie Olsons in the bunch, for those of you who are Little House fans. Online, or in our clubs or organizations, we can find and form communities based around us. Interests we have, things we enjoy, the way we see the world. But when we step into the world of actual people outside our front door, what we find are neighbors who have had very different experiences than we've had, who see things differently than we do. People of all different ages and stages of different concerns and ways of thinking who are our neighbors, our actual community. And through the last few decades of technological and transportation advances, the art of being neighbors with those around us just for the sake of being a community has become somewhat of a lost art. But this year, more than any of the previous 20, I think, we've started to become more aware of how important it is to know and invest in our relationships with our own geographical communities. I myself was surprised and amazed by what I saw of that here. Shortly after the pandemic hit, we as a church were concerned about our seniors getting the items that they needed if they didn't feel safe leaving their homes. And a list was quickly put together of our younger church volunteers who were willing to go out and shop for them. But when we contacted our people to see who needed help, what I heard most from them was, oh, don't worry about me, my neighbor is shopping for me. Or my neighbor's been checking in on me, looking out for me. So much so that I think our band of willing volunteers really didn't end up getting deployed all that much. <laughs> 
And it amazed me and humbled me to hear this. Because honestly, I don't really know much about what my neighbors need. I could have a neighbor next door who is hungry, who would never ask for my help and not even know it. And it made me reevaluate what does it look like to live as a person of Jesus for the sake of my neighbors? Because our call as followers of Jesus is not about what kind of neighbors we have, but what kind of neighbor we are. One of the most famous parables of Jesus, the story of the Good Samaritan, was told by Jesus in response to the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus then told the story of a man who was beaten and left for dead, and two religiously good people who just passed him by, and a third questionable sort of person who actually helped And after Jesus told the story, it was his turn to ask a question, which of these acted like a neighbor to the man? The answer, of course, being the one who helped him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Jesus never answered the question, who is my neighbor? Instead, he laid out the clear call that we are to be a neighbor. So how are we to bless our neighborhoods by being who we are as Jesus' people in them? Well, in this world, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with the needs that we see around us, and that can become paralyzing rather than inspiring. So how do we begin to see where Jesus is at work in our corner and be part of what he's doing to bless? Well, I think one of the best ways Jesus teaches us this is through the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, "'Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat?' He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. In this moment, Philip is freaking out. (laughs) We can't. There's too many. We don't have enough. Why are you asking the impossible of us, Jesus? You see, Philip wants to succeed. He wants to make Jesus proud, and so he panics because he sees no way of accomplishing this. He sees only failure ahead. And out of that helplessness comes anxiety and even anger in his words because he knows the need is bigger than he can handle. He knows he's not enough, and it absolutely shuts him down before he even begins. And I confess, I often have this kind of reaction myself. When I see the needs around me that I know as one person I do not have the ability to solve, I do not have inexhaustible love, time, or energy for every need as much as I wish I did. And so often, like Philip, when I hear Jesus say, do you see these people's need? My first reaction is to say, yes, but what can I do about it? I can't solve this. The scope of the need and the specter of my inevitable failure just shuts me down. But thankfully, there's another voice in the crowd of disciples, a whole different perspective. In John 6, 8, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I love that Andrew gives a nod to Philip's point. I know this isn't much. I'm not pretending this little picnic basket is the answer. 
but we have this. It's a start. So I'm going to bring it to you, Jesus, and ask, what do you want to do with this? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. So it turns out, in Jesus' hands, that little picnic basket was the answer. Who knew? Not Philip, not Andrew, only Jesus. And what is Jesus teaching us as his disciples in this moment? You might not have the power yourself to solve all the world's problems, to meet all the world's needs, but that's not what's being asked of you. What is being asked is that you ask Jesus what it is he wants to see accomplished where you are and through what you have to give. And then do the little thing you can. Just start. Bring him the little you have, trusting that you're cooperating with his heart because that is how the kingdom of God works. Jesus is teaching us, dare to do what you can do because then you'll see what he can do. The hurts of this world, too big for us to heal, are not too big for Jesus. So this is discipleship. Do what you can do and you will see what he can do. In Jesus' hands, he shows us, I'll see your five loaves and two fish, and I'll raise you food for 5,000. You say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'll raise you eternal life by my side. Give me your faith, be it as small as a mustard seed, and I will show you the towering growth of a kingdom. The Lord takes even our tiniest step in faith and not only blesses the world with it, but also blesses us in the process. We don't have to save the world. That's his job. But we are called to love it in his name, one little picnic basket at a time. And I like to think of this story as our Lord's training program. He's training us in on what it looks like to be people of his grace. To not take ourselves so seriously that we get stuck in fear, but simply dare to do the little thing that's in front of us and watch for where Jesus' grace is at work in it, to know where to keep taking a step forward as we follow where he leads and blessing the world. Because when we see Jesus' grace at work in our corner of the community, where we live, and we join his work with our hands and our hearts, then others start to be able to see the grace that we see because they see his grace at work in every corner of our community through us. When we are intentionally living as disciples of Jesus, that's when our lives begin to be vessels of grace that's used to make disciples of Jesus. But it starts with seeing the ways that he works because that's who our Savior is. He is the one who found us in our need, in our brokenness, in our need for forgiveness, to give us a new start for our healing and reconciliation. He's the one who found us in our need for someone to give us a second chance to see in us what we can be in his grace instead of simply trapping us in judgment of what we've become in our sin. Jesus is our Savior, 
who out of his love for you and me died at the hands of the world's condemnation unjustly at the hands of earthly power in order to put to death all the things that would separate us from God and from one another. He paid the price so we would not be trapped in unredeemable sin. But instead, in rising for us, he became the firstborn of a new creation, a new beginning, our resurrected Savior, who through the power of his life is making new creations out of all who will trust him enough to call him Savior and Lord. And so humbly, hopefully, we see who he is what he has done and can do. And embarrassed at so small an offering, we still dare to come to him and say, here is my tiny faith, Jesus. I know, what is this among so much sin? But in Jesus' nail-scarred hands, we see it becomes more than enough. In his hands, we become more than we could ever be. In his grace, we become the redeemed of the Lord, new creations, children of God, and we start to see his grace in every corner. This is what it is to have a Savior. And this is why we are called to live with him in that way for the sake of the world as well. As we have been loved, so are we to love. As we have seen what Jesus has done for us, so are we to offer to the mission of his love the tiny seeds of our own love to see how he will grow them beyond what we can imagine. When we see Jesus' grace at work in our corner of the community where we live, and we join his work with our hands and our hearts, then others start to see the grace we see because they see his grace at work in every corner of our community through us. So we start by asking, if Jesus lived here, what would he see? What needs? What hurts? How would he respond to them? Because Jesus does live here, in you and in me. And this was the approach we took and are constantly reevaluating in our service to our neighborhood as this church. We're asking, Jesus, what are the needs of the people right here? How can we be your people, meeting others in their places of need with your love and grace as you have met ours? And this kind of ministry, of course, has to be fluid because it needs to respond to our immediate neighborhood needs. If we lived in the little house on the prairie days, for example, we might help with the barn raising after somebody's barn burned down because that's how we would show love in action. And if we lived in Brooklyn Center, like our brothers and sisters at Lutheran Church of the Master, we might open our doors to pray with and comfort those assembled outside, to give those who are looking for one a safe place to rest and pray and be heard, to be Jesus' hands and feet. But where we are, here in our geographical neighborhood of White Bear Lake, what are the needs here? Food insecurity has been a particular need to address this year, following a year where household budgets have been particularly tight. And what do we have? We have a building accessible to the community. We have people willing to help. And that's why one of our primary mission partners, the White Bear Lake Area Food Shelf, has been using our building and some of our volunteers every Thursday this year to pack kid packs for the school to help feed kids at home on the weekends. And in case you didn't know, back by the vending machines, we have a place where you can drop off donations for the food shelf in our building whenever you're here as well. 
It's also why one Friday a month we house the Ministry of Fair for All through Second Harvest that offers discount grocery packs, buying in bulk and then passing on the savings to anyone who participates. The more who participate, the better the prices. So we participate and we volunteer and serve as a community because we see that community need in Jesus' love for them and for us. And in a year when people are in need of making extra cash, turning things they no longer need into money that will buy what they do need, we're again hosting the community garage sale to give people a place to gather and get some extra cash and to offer the community a free event just to connect with others because we know Jesus cares about those needs in our community too. And when we throw a free Easter egg hunt, when we offer vacation Bible school, we're responding to our community's need for low-cost, high-value family events that anyone can take in and receive not only food and family fun, but a small seed of the eternal truth that Jesus' love and grace is for them. Loving our neighborhood is why in July and August we hold a school tools drive and give to our local White Bear Lake area schools so the kids who can't afford school supplies they need can go back to school equipped with everything they need and want, backpacks and school supplies all brand new for a fresh new start every year because they matter. Every single child important to God. And a couple of years ago, for some reason, all the other churches participating in this dropped the ministry at the same time and we were the only church left and Community of Grace stepped up in an awesome way. They were so, we were so appreciated by the school administration for the sake of our neighborhood kids. When we reach out to quietly and consistently bless those around us, the reputation of Jesus is glorified. Because then people start to say, if this church loves our community like this, maybe the Lord they worship loves us too. You might have noticed the Anchor Coffee Truck was here at Easter from Anchor Coffee downtown in White Bear. That was intentional. Anchor Coffee has partnered with us by hosting our Ask Away events at their coffee shop several times. And they have a vision to be a place where students can gather and ask questions of faith. And since we believe the students and young adults of our community are being blessed by them, we also want to be a blessing to them. It makes us stronger to be a community together. And if you want to hear about ways we're learning about how God's grace is at work in every corner of our White Bear Lake community in particular, our contemporary worship leader, Dan Lugo, has put together a podcast you can find through our website or wherever you listen to podcasts, where he finds and interviews leaders and business and service in our community who are making a difference here. It might inspire you to connect in a new way in investing in our neighborhood as Jesus' people. And those are just some ways that together... As a church, we're committed to loving our neighborhood in action. But it could be that Jesus is calling you today to a specific way that you could be loving your neighbors well where you are. So this week, I'd like to invite you to ask the Lord, what are the five loaves and two fish that you have that he wants you to use right where you are? There's power in all our areas of living out our mission, globally and state and counties, but there's something unique about neighborhood ministry in which the ongoing connection with Jesus' people can become, over time, a testimony to the heart of Jesus through relationship, where people come to know Jesus through knowing who you are as his living letters of love. The Apostle Paul says of Jesus' people in 2 Corinthians, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. 
you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See, in the days of the early church, to send a letter, you couldn't just bring it down to the local post office. For people to get a message, someone had to bring it. And the same is true today with the message of Jesus. The message is Jesus and his saving grace. But you and I, we are the letter. And like Philip, we can be overwhelmed with the enormity of that task. But you, did you notice when I read that scripture that Jesus said that this is a test to test Philip? Did you ever wonder what Jesus is testing for? Take a step back and look at this situation. Because standing in this circle are some fishermen, a zealot, a tax collector, some random tradesmen, and the Savior of the world. The only one who can do the impossible is standing right there with them. And yet Philip still assumes the impossible burden is his alone to carry. And it's assuming that that crushes him, right? When will we see who stands right beside us? So, beloved, when you feel the weight of this mission, take the Andrew way. Look to Jesus, the Son of the living God, right beside you and tell him, Lord, I see the need. This is what I've got. How do you want to use it? Because only the one who turned a cross into a kingdom can change the world. But it's amazing what he can do with five loaves and two fish. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are amazed by you. By the depth of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, of your power. And we confess way too often, Lord, we can be overwhelmed by the needs of the world around us. By the sense of our own inadequacy. But Lord, remind us what we are called to do and to be are simply your people. Help us to have the courage of this little boy to offer to Andrew and Andrew to offer to you what it is that we have. Lord, we pray that uh, one step at a time as we see how you are at work through us, Lord, that we would see more and more your power to change hearts and to change the world through your grace. So Lord, teach us today, show us one little step that you're calling us to take, to be people of your grace in one little step this week. Lord, help us to see the way that you are at work in our neighborhoods and in our world around us. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.